Um, <laughs> hello, everyone. Welcome back to Through the Eyes of a Therapist with Crystal and Amber. Hello. So she is back I'm to back. do the second part of the podcast. We ended up cutting it into two pieces. So this is part two. It's a big of, stew. Yes, it is. And we don't want to eat the elephant. Have you ever heard that saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody told me one time, like, you don't want to eat the elephant. And I'm like, what? What the hell are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, how do you eat an elephant? I'm like, like oh, bitch. I'm what? like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what elephants were they eating? Like some pink ones? <laughs> I guess. So I imagine this big fluffy pink elephant right like that's and then she's like no if you want to eat an elephant you have to eat it piece by piece you what does can't that mean eat the though whole thing so instead of getting overwhelmed with like one giant task yeah right, and looking at like say you want to clean your room and you're like oh my god that's like the elephant right oh so okay eating the elephant whole uh-huh. you go and maybe like clean a corner of the room or clean your closet like do little pieces but what if you're just like totally badass and you can just like fit the whole elephant in your mouth and well, get it all done like that <laughs> i mean well, apparently don't tell me how to live my life <laughs> Tell me what to do. First of all, I don't know. Like, I don't even want to say who told me that. But I was just oh. like, oh, no. Like, oh, I've never heard I've that. Never heard that. I've okay. never heard that. Ever. Oh, man. It, I was so confused when I heard it. I think they may have got some sayings mixed up. I think so. That's what I thought. I just like, made it. There's elephant in the room. And maybe eat your words. Like, yeah. Those are two separate things, but she decided to mix them or something. I don't know. It it's more convenient. Weird. Yeah. So anyway, we're not eating the elephant in one episode. <laughs> we're um, cutting it in half. So right now, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, healthy eating. Uh, some yeah. Some of the other... Um, I guess things that you are an expert at or an expert in. So if you didn't listen to the first podcast, part of my history had to do with uh, eating disorder, namely anorexia. So anorexia, literally translated anorexia nervosa, is the loss of appetite, which let me tell you is not literally true. I was still very much hungry. I just decided to not eat because, I mean... When I was doing it, I, I, I didn't realize that my restrictive behavior was a result of, I guess, you know, my past childhood traumas. But now looking back and, you know, meeting with the counselors, one, I, you know, and Crystal and I were talking about this earlier, it had to do with control. So my life around me was chaotic. You know, I, I, I was sexually abused when I was younger, so I felt like that control had been taken away from me. You know, uh, I didn't have control over, over, you know, my body, over my environment, but at least I had control over what went into my mouth, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like the more control you had, the better you were, the, you know, the, the more you were winning in a sense, even though you were really losing. Yeah. On that note, that's really important, uh, information about control because what I had mentioned to Amber earlier was that the likelihood of somebody developing uh, something like obsessive-compulsive disorder or any other type of obsessive or compulsive behavior, um, disordered eating, um, hoarding, gambling, things like that, 
uh, your likelihood of getting that multiplies. I don't know by how much. I can't quite remember what the literature says, but um, the chances of you getting something like that go up if you have a history of childhood trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess because it's kind of a way to cope with, the, you know, the, the, the thoughts. Because, you know, it's just replaying that memory that when I, when I was little, it would just replay, like, you know, why did it happen? And what did I do to deserve it? And, and, and why did no one help me? And, 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 you know, just, I guess, kind of reliving it. So it was almost kind of a way to channel my thoughts into some sort of other OCD. Because I did have some OCD habits. I had to do certain things in a pattern or by number. For some reason, the number 12. You know, which is my 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 number. I don't I don't even know why, but what kind of just up. evolved. Yeah, is that your number two? Yes. No way. I'm serious. <gasps> what? Anyway. We'll digest that elephant later. I know. <laughs> Peachy elephant. <laughs> <laughs> so by the way, first of all, we live in El Paso, so we're gonna maybe mix some words up in English and yes. Spanish, especially the cuss words, <laughs> especially the bad words. Um, yeah. So anyway, but but I think like <clears throat> unhealthy or um, disordered eating can come from stuff like that. But you're talking about how um, your now expertise in nutrition maybe stemmed from some of that. Well, I mean. You know, I did learn a lot about food. At, at that time, it wasn't for the right reasons. You know, it was more, you know, how many calories in this is in this because I don't want to go over my calories, which is a ridiculously low amount. And the only reason I'm not saying specific numbers is because if someone's listening that does have an active eating disorder, those numbers can be triggering for them. So mm-hmm. I, I, I try to avoid saying them, but it was very low. And, um, you know, another reason I think for the eating disorder was now that I look back in retrospect, Becoming smaller, uh, you know, I guess growing up, I kind of, one of my biggest, and I barely learned this, one of my biggest insecurities is feeling useless, feeling like I'm a burden on people. And people that know me, you know, they're like, yeah, you just just take it or you don't have to say please or, you know, this or that. Or, you know, even now that I've been together with Angel for, you know, going on 10 years, I still, you know, try to pay for lunch. You know, I still don't want to. I guess, take advantage. So part of that uh, with my eating disorder was becoming smaller men. I was more compact. I took up less space and I wasn't such a nuisance to everybody. You know, you don't got to feed me. You don't got to take care of me. I'm good. And, um, you know, I guess the evolution was, you know, rehab coming out, still having the eating disorder because, you know, they say that you never really get over it. You just learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I mean, I I feel better now than I did back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it it was just for anyone that's ever had disordered eating, it's it's like you're you're a prisoner of your own of your own mind. And, you know, you know, quote unquote, what you should be doing, but you, you just can't like you just cannot get yourself to eat the right way. You know, so there's uh, bulimia. So, you know, when you binge and purge it could be you know purging you know vomiting or it could even be you know through exercise where you you know or diuretics you know so it's not just one form of purging there's anorectic where you have a combination of anorexia and bulimia there's a new one that came out with all this clean eating uh craze called um you're gonna say crap huh yeah no (laughs) maybe Okay. <laughs> oh, it's called it is it's orthorexia, I believe, where it's just you're so obsessed mm-hmm. with eating clean, quote unquote, clean foods, non-processed, non-GMO, you know, whatever the case is. 
So, um, you know, it's still obsessive. Yeah, exactly. You're still obsessed with what is happening. It's like, okay, I can't have any of this or gluten free or whatever the heck. Right. I mean, some people actually do need that. Right. Because of whatever other health problems they're having. But that could be an obsession. I get that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do need a lot more structure to their eating. But I mean, I, I am also aware with my clients where they just... If they, you know, if they, because I follow something called flexible dieting. I follow that loosely. So basically, you know, you, you I follow use... that very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Every anyway, day is sorry. a cheat day. Every, Every day is a refeed. Dude, my shirt literally right now says planning my next cheat meal. <laughs> it seriously does. <laughs> oh, my God. I oh, want man. that. Okay, I'll get you one if I find another yes. one. Yes. Um... <laughs> Anyway, but uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. But there's yeah, there's people that need you know more structure, and then there's people that they just if they go over you know just a little bit of calories or a little over on their carbohydrates or proteins or fat, you know their their day is ruined. So that's kind of a red you know a red flag that I look for. Um, which in that case, I would if it's severe, you know I would refer them out to a specialist. Yeah, you know, I'm not I have a history of it, but I'm not a specialist in treating eating disorders, so that's something that I refer them out to. Luckily, I haven't had to. I did have to drop one client because um, she was, I believe she had an eating disorder. I think she was a little bit in denial, but um, you know, and 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 luckily, even though I'm not trained for it, I can recognize the signs of it, and I think for. After rehab, you know, I started getting better and then I still, you know, was still following the stupid diets that that the the mainstream fitness industry, uh, so to speak, has you follow like, you know, the typical 1200 calories and do cardio five times a week or, you know, just eat less, just eat less, just eat less, you know, don't eat carbs, don't eat fats. Don't eat protein. Like, well, what the fuck? I'm going to go outside and photosynthesize, you know? <laughs> and now I, I hear that's a thing, too. So, you know, people getting nutrition from the sun. Rebanadas de aire. Slices of air. Mm, I, yummy. Mm, yum. No, thanks. <laughs> like, what do you eat on your cheat day, a cloud? Vapor. <laughs> <laughs> mm, <laughs> oh, so, water. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So... You know, and, 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 and uh, you know, so all this crap that was fed to me after I came out of rehab, which kind of didn't help, but it's crap, you know, shakes, pills, all this crap. So after I had my second daughter, you know, I started looking into a little bit more of, uh, you know, I did a, I did a, an NPC competition in 2013. Mm -hmm. So like a bodybuilding competition, but it was the bikini. And I thought ahead, I'm like, okay. I think this was also part of my inner eating disorder kind of helping me in a way. It, it actually did because what do I do after competition? Do I just stuff my face like everyone else and gain back all this weight? Because that's what I heard happens. You know, oh, it's just water weight. No, honey, water weight doesn't stick around for six months. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so what am I going to do afterward to kind of minimize that? Because you can't be stage lean forever. So I looked up, you know... The terms were uh, reverse dieting and metabolic damage and metabolic adaptation. And I started doing more research. And now that's all I do is read podcasts. I mean, read podcasts. What I like mm, is... <laughs> well, I guess now I can say it. Listen to podcasts and read books on, you know, the more evidence science-backed information. You know, you don't want to go too far one way where it's just, you know, this is the evidence, so you got to stick to that, and you don't want to go far, so far the other way where it's like you're only relying on anecdotal evidence. Well, this is what I did, so this is what works, you know, which is what a lot of, of trainers do. Mm -hmm. And so with my, in, in regards to my eating disorder, I mean, 
for a while, I traded one eating disorder for another, another where I was just super eating clean. But then again, I was on a competition prep. Mm -hmm. But then I got the binge eating where I was eating super clean and my binge meals would tally up to almost 5,000 calories one in one day. Wow. And then, yeah. And I was still hungry. And then when I wasn't hungry, but I could, I still wanted to eat. Mm -hmm. I just, I fell asleep. I would take, you know, it, it got to the point where I would you know, eat quote unquote clean, have, uh, you know, eat like an asshole for one day and then take a Z quill or a NyQuil to go to bed. So I wouldn't eat anymore, you know? Oh, so okay. it was like, wow. all right, that's, that's a little too much. And so finally I found the balance where, you know, I, I started again doing the flexible dieting, which is basically just making sure you get enough protein, enough fiber, you know, you eat healthy, but you can still have quote unquote junk or less healthy food. As long as you're still hitting your calories, hitting your protein. Um, and so that kind of made me realize that I can still eat pizza or cookies or whatever and, you know, reach my goals. So, um, you know, that's pretty much the approach I take with my clients. And again, I, I try to look for, um, you know, extremes for, for binging or for, you know, they're a little too consumed with this. If you're an athlete, it's different. If you're getting ready for a competition, it's different. You do have to be a lot more strict, but even then, some of the diets that, you know, these people are put on are just ridiculous. It, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, and I think, you know what, um, you bring up a good point about kind of um, going to extremes, right? So anorexia, bulimia, and even overeating or emotional eating or um, things like that can go to an extreme. So is if a client, let's say, you know, really wanted to restrict their calories or their, you know, their appet appetite, quote unquote, changes, mm. or um, they just don't eat as much. They don't, uh, you know, follow a certain regimen. It's not balanced is what I'm trying to say. So if somebody is having very extreme thoughts, either one way or the other, I think that's something that could be looked at. And I think that it would take a holistic approach. I personally think that as a therapist, I think that um, if somebody went to therapy for that, but then they also saw like a nutritionist or somebody who's an expert in nutrition mm -hmm. and then a personal trainer, but somebody who knows what they're doing, because I think some people can really damage other people like, um, Girl, you're like, <laughs> I have gotten clients that have been quote unquote damaged. I don't want, you know, they're not broken. They just have been misguided for so long because, you know, all, you know, most trainers, they want the success stories. They want to put the before and afters, you know, no matter at what cost, you know, just eat, you know, this little and, and you're going to be thin. And they, they don't give, they don't give any uh, consideration or maybe they do and they just don't care as to the, the, the client's quality of life. Because if you're on a diet to feel better, look better, it's not, you're not a competitor. And this diet is making your life a living hell, a living hell. Your yeah. quality of life is going down. Mm-hmm then it's not something that you should be doing because you're not going to be able to do it for a long time it's unless not sustainable. it's not sustainable unless you're going to develop an eating disorder, mm -hmm. you know, then it is, but you know, not really, you know, because you're, you know, the, like they say, the best anorexic is a dead anorexic. So, you know, even if it's not anorexia, but some other type of eating or disorder, disordered eating, right? disordered, disordered eating. eating. Yeah. And, um, if, if you can't see yourself eating a certain way, six months or a year from now, then it's probably just a fad diet. You know, you mm. need to, people don't want to, they want the easy way out. They want the pill. They want the shake. They want the answer. They want the meal plan that's going to get them there. And it's like, okay, but you can't, 
you need something that's sustainable. Like, you know, people you people are like, you got to eat the way the cavemen did. I'm sure I'm like, I'm sure if the cavemen had a goddamn McDonald's back then, they would go there because it's about survival, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to find uh, a, a balance because, okay, say people are getting on the keto diet just to lose weight. It's like, so you're telling me you're never going to have another carb again, ever? You know, you can have carbs with very little, you know, and it's like, you need, you know, with, with your lifestyle, you got to find what's right for you and, and, and not just go to someone that's going to give you a generic meal plan because that can foster an eating disorder. And that's why I'm so passionate about dispelling these myths because I, you know, so they're following what the mainstream media says. And it's not just that they can't lose the weight because maybe they can for a time, but the more you yo-yo diet, the harder it becomes to get the weight off. So they go into this depression. And this depression not only affects them, but it affects their family, it affects their kids, you know, so it's like you're messing with someone's life when you're giving them this bad advice just so you can get a before and after because you don't feel like you need to educate yourself on what's happening or you already think you know what works because, yeah, you can lose weight on eating, you know, chicken feed, bird food, but... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's just, like, it's extreme. And so, yeah. yeah, I think people have to understand that having a balance is really, really important because like you said, it could foster an eating disorder or disordered eating. And I think the same goes for exercise. I think if, um, you know, I did CrossFit a couple of years ago and now my knees are all messed up and stuff, you know, and it's funny because I think that's one way to go very extreme, yeah. right? It's like, it's extreme exercise. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, for my lifestyle, I'm a therapist. I don't brawl. I don't like, <laughs> you know, I'm not a gladiator. I don't have to like carry a fire hose up some stairs. Yeah. Every day. Like I don't need to be exercising that way yeah. and it's not sustainable. Right. So yeah. like when I'm 80, I'm not gonna be able to do CrossFit. Like you can yeah. probably for a short amount of time, but then it's not realistic. Well, right? and, and, yeah, I mean, CrossFit's designed for people that want to compete in CrossFit. I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll see results on it. You know, you'll lose body fat. You might even gain some muscle. But, you know, it's I, I haven't met one person that's done CrossFit, uh, you know, for a while and come to me saying, oh, my shoulder hurts and my knee hurts or this hurts. And don't get me wrong. It happens in other sports, too. But... You know, for the goals that most people want, it doesn't have to be that extreme. I mean, I I can see the appeal and I appreciate CrossFit because it did uh, introduce the barbell to more women. It's just the reps for time is what what kind of bothers me. That bothers me too. Yeah, and I don't want to go on a tangent too much, but, you you know, there are some instructors out there that say, you know, focus on your form, but you're still, there's no progressive overload there's no um um scheduled deloads and if none of that makes sense it's because it's something that a uh you know a, a someone well-versed in training would, would know because you know you're either wanting to build muscle or lose body fat you know which one is it or unless you want to compete in crossfit then do crossfit but that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that's another podcast that's another elephant amber's gonna start charging me y'all like i think we need to rein it in here so like I just want to ask you some questions real quick about what you think would be a balanced approach to either exercise and, uh, I don't want to say dieting, but like eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, either to lose fat, because I think the way you say things is interesting, because Mm -hmm. I think instead of saying lose weight, you're saying lose fat, Lose fat, yeah. Because... 
I think that weight comes in different forms, right? So right. you want to lose fat, not yeah. muscle or water or whatever the heck, right? But right. what would be a balanced approach for a person, like the some, average person? Some general recommendations. Yeah, general recommendations. Um, one thing is diet. And when I say diet, I just mean whatever you eat on a daily basis. Whether you're trying to gain muscle or lose body fat, diet on the... Uh, if you're trying to lose body fat, diet on the highest amount of calories possible. So what that means is if you're, for example, at 2,000 calories a day and you take it down to 1,800 calories a day and you're starting to see you know, changes in your physique, body fat going down, there's no need to go down to 1,200, 1,100 because one... Your body adapts to the calories. So, you know, you take it to that extreme, you swing the pendulum over that way, it's going to take it down to, you, you take it down to 1,200 calories, your body adapts, then what do you got to do? You got to go 1,100, then 1,000, then 9, you know, and um, so gradually, uh, you know, because the rate at which you lose body fat or gain muscle um, is also important in regards to if you keep it off or keep it on, whatever the case may be. Um, so diet on the highest amount of calories possible. If you're trying to gain weight, you know, you're trying to, I guess, uh, I guess maybe in, in the sense diet in the least amount of calories possible. So you don't want to just eat a whole bunch of crap. You want to just eat just enough so that you're, you know, gaining muscle at a nice pace. Yeah. It's like pacing and consistency. Yeah. Gradual, gradual, yeah, gradual patience. And when it comes to training, doing as little as possible while still seeing results, because that too, I mean, it sounds lazy, but you want to train intelligently. You know, you don't want to, if you're, you know, sedentary, you have an office job, you haven't worked out in years. You don't want to go to the gym five times a week and cut your calories in half. Yeah, you're going to see results faster, but we all know someone who's lost a dramatic amount of weight because they go through these drastic methods, drinking shakes or something. Mm -hmm. What happens? They gain, they gain it, back. it back. They gain it back and yeah. then some. And then they try it again. And then they gain it back. And every time they gain it back, it gets harder and harder for you to lose the body fat. Mm. Just gradually, you know, do what you know you can do. Because as a therapist, you might be able to back me up on this, but humans are motivated by reward. Right? Like, if they can do it, then they're going to be more motivated to do more. If I give them some fantastic meal plan that's going to get them super shredded and a training plan, but they can't because they can't eat, you know, uh, that many meals or they can't work out that often, you know, it's, 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 it's of no value because... They're not, it doesn't fit their lifestyle. They're not able to do it. Right. That's what we call a sense of self-efficacy. So, like, let's say you give me a diet plan. I'm a therapist. I sit all day. I'm pretty sedentary. Um, and then I you give me a plan where I have to do two-a-days or something. And then I have to eat, like, fish and eggs and everything, like, every Five two hours. Right. Yeah. Like, that's not sustainable for me. And so if I suck at it or I don't succeed at that plan, I'm going to give up and my self-esteem is going to go down. And so I'm going to feel like, oh, I can't do this. And another thing too is, you know, coaches, they'll give, they'll, they'll treat, you know, just someone wanting to lose a little bit of weight or get healthier. They'll treat them like a competitor, giving them, you know, these competitive competitor. What, what I mean by competitor is, you know, like a, a bodybuilder, you know, giving them these real strict quote unquote clean meal plans and having them do this much cardio, you know, two a days or whatever. And it's like, you know, the, the, the person starts to think, oh, it must be me. I, I can't stick to it. I'll never be fit because I can't do what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they think that it's them. They don't have enough willpower, you know, so they start blaming themselves. They think they're broken. They just give up because they're like, you know what, if this, if, if this is what it takes, I'll never be that way. When it's not true, you know, you mm -hmm. small changes, you know, for someone maybe who's very inactive, very unmotivated, 
you know, one thing would be maybe to like, okay, you got to work out in the morning. That's the only time you can go. Maybe you're just going to do 30 minutes. Start by just putting your alarm and waking up. Just open your eyes and wake up. You don't even have to go to the gym. Next week, you know, get your clothes ready for the gym and wake up. And then the week after that, put your shoes on. Actually put your clothes on. Maybe even drive to the gym. You don't even have to go inside. You know, that's the third week. Fourth week, maybe you actually go inside the gym. Maybe you turn right back around like, nope. You know, but but just you have to be able to kind of gauge the client, you know, and, and see what you think maybe they can handle. Mm-hmm. And, and what they're willing to do at that moment. And what their schedule's like, you yeah, know. It, and their lifestyle. Exactly, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. Yeah, what you're describing, I mean, it has a lot of psychological principles, what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Like, so self-efficacy um, exposure, I think, is the thing that you're kind of describing. So it's something that we call, like, titrated exposure. It's like if somebody has a phobia, like, let's say you're afraid of flying, we're not going to book a ticket to like Egypt on Southwest Airlines and like whatever, like immediately put you on a plane. Like you're going to freak out and die. Right. Like, no, we're going to do that. So first I'll show you maybe a picture of an airplane. Mm. And then next week, maybe I will show you a video of an airplane. And then the week after that, I'll drive you to the airport, but we won't get out. Right. And then the week after that, Mm -hmm. maybe you can get close to a plane and like, you know, look yeah. at it, but then leave, right? Yeah. So it's like exposing yourself little by little to increase your confidence and self-efficacy and all that stuff. So, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. What you're saying makes total sense. Like, they're able to do it, so then they're going to want to do more. Like, yeah, like, I did that, so now I, I'm ready for the next step. Yeah, Versus exactly. like, let me just flood the person. Yeah. With, like, here, go do this. And Setting them like, up for oh, failure. Shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then um, I think another thing that we didn't address with the eating disorders, which is pretty interesting, is... Is the whole body dysmorphia. Um, I remember in rehab, there was an exercise that we did where, you know, again, I was very, very, very thin. I had an NG tube and they had us draw on a, on a, on a, a human, I guess, human sized piece of paper, draw your outline, how big you think you are. Mm-hmm. So I did. And then they had us lay down inside it and then they traced us. And I swear there was maybe like a two inch difference all around uh, or maybe even three inches, you know, because you think you're bigger than you really are. And so the the MT already knew. She was like, let me guess. You think I did something or I tilted the pen in or I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no. So I see that with some clients, too, where they think they're too small or they think they're too big or, you know, they they don't give themselves enough credit for the progress that they have made is another thing. And, um, you know. That's another thing, too, that I don't think coaches, not enough coaches take into consideration is reward the client for what they have done. You know, because if, if they're, maybe they're always late to class because maybe they, 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 they work or they have kids and they're trying. Or maybe, you know, they're trying to eat healthy, but they don't know because a lot of people don't know. A lot, I've spoken to adults who don't know what a carbohydrate, fat, and protein is mm-hmm. yeah. or what they are. And, you know, and, and they're like, well, you know you should be here on time or, oh, why are you eating that? It's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like they're always being yelled at, you know. They're that's, very punitive. Yeah. yeah. And there's that's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, humans, uh, we're animals, and so we thrive off of rewards. So if you, let's say, I you give me a plan and I stick to it one day, and I don't stick to it the rest of the week. Okay, reward me for the one day. Yeah. Right? Versus like, what the hell what were you, you doing done. all week? Right? Right. So rewarding me for what I have done, reinforcing the positive behavior, and that will increase the likelihood of 
Right. More positive behavior happening, right? So. And don't get me wrong. There's some clients where I'm like, I know you're making excuses. Like, uh, like there's some where I'm like, you know what? No, you just have to suit up and do it. Like, quit making your, your excuses. <laughs> so Like, sometimes that's the yeah. case, right? But I think, like, m- most of the time, like I said in the mm-hmm. last podcast or the last episode, is behavior is communication right so yeah. like if they're skipping it or they're not able to wake up or something right that means something yep so it's like okay let's sit and talk and let's delve into why this is happening yeah and without judgment just like okay you're not waking up on time for the workout something's going on oh okay well i'm not falling asleep until like Midnight yeah, because my I newborn's mm-hmm. waking up and blah, yep. blah blah. Oh, okay. Now I understand why. Instead of like, what the hell? How why? Not yeah. Why aren't you or, not doing that? There's always a reason. So I think like it's worth it as a coach or a trainer or a therapist to understand that all all behavior tells you something. All behavior serves a function, and mm. so it's important to explore that with people. Hmm. I just kind of wonder how prevalent you think that is among like fitness models and uh even trainers themselves as far as competing as um with as far as physique competitors so they're on stage you know they're showing off you know their body there's the weight gain afterward and there's almost kind of like a depression period afterward because it's like the climax of the show is gone like what do i do now i'm not dieting for anything i you know i don't have so some people will go searching for another show which is not healthy you know because getting ready for a competition like that is very tough on the body on the hormones um you know because you have to get very lean especially for a woman you have to get extremely lean um you know your your mental status your energy you know it just affects everything and so afterward they'll either go to another show or you know they they don't know how to structure their eating so they gain all this weight because you know the coaches well you're done with your show so bye you know, and, and they, they're like, well, what if I want to stay lean? Well, just keep eating what you've been eating, you know, keep eating your thousand calories a day while going to school and having a job and training, you know, so, um, there's this stigma where like, you know, people don't want to talk about the dreaded weight gain afterward. And I, you know, for a lot of the, um, the fitness models, I mean, one thing that people have to have to understand is that they're there to usually to sell you something, you know, that whole use my code to get 50% off bullshit is use my code. So I get my kickback, you know, they're not giving you a discount because you guys are cool. That's just how the way they get paid. So, you know, um, the fit with the fitness models, you got to remember that, you know, they're, they're out to make a profit, which whatever, you know, you got to make a living. Secondly is they use tricks. There's, you know, don't, don't be so naive to think that, you know, they don't use angles and positions and lighting and tanning. And, you know, I, I actually did an Instagram and a Facebook post where I kind of did these tricks myself where I was like, here's this picture. Now, in this picture, I'm standing slightly different, but I look thinner. Or in this picture, I'm wearing a shoe with a heel, so I look thinner. Or in this picture before, I don't have makeup. My hair's not done. Second one, makeup, hair done. And, you know, and I'm smiling, so I look thinner. Um, you know, Interesting. so. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't be naive. You know, I know there's good people out there that don't want to think that, you know, you know, people aren't trying to dupe them like that. But it's a the fitness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as far as, you know, eating disorders, oh, I think pretty much everyone that I've talked to that has done some sort of competition does have some kind of skewed relationship with food. 
Uh, men, not so much, just because men are usually, you know, they're not afraid to bulk and get big because in our, you know, in our society, it's okay for men to get bigger and bulkier. No, mm-hmm. the dad bod is in right now, <laughs> or, you know, you know, the bigger the guy, the more yeah. of a protector he is, I guess. So it's okay for them to have a little bit more fat. And, you know, oh, don't even get me started on like the socialization no. and pornoization <laughs> of America and uh, how like men are allowed to have beer guts or whatever. Uh-huh. And then, like some girl comes out with her little tiny rolls or whatever in a bikini and they're like, oh, Jesus, she's so ugly. It's like, yep. yo, look in the yeah. mirror, you damn whale. Like, come <laughs> on, right? Like, right. No, yeah, no, I get that. You know, you got standard. guys with dad bods wanting a bikini model. It's like, it's um, like, mm, about that that is another podcast that's a big that's elephant a to other... digest <laughs> we have like eight elephants right here. it's like <laughs> well i mean you're planning your next cheat day one. so there you oh go. yeah there you go <laughs> i am currently planning next cheat you have your feast i'm gonna put a picture of that on the podcast page because i want people to see i'm not making it up i actually have that's hilarious on. i love that but yeah, with with uh, with um, you know, even I'm I'm sure it's a lot more prevalent than again than more people care to speak of because even people that aren't competing don't want to talk about it. Menos, or you know, uh, how would you say that in English? You know, even less likely are you know trainers and coaches don't want to talk about that because they're the ones that are supposed to know it all. You know, you don't your coach or who you look up to can't have an imperfection. They can't have a defect. Then they're not a coach. You know what I mean? But some of the people that are highly regarded in this industry. Are people that are, you know, they're 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 see through. They're, hey, I had this struggle. This is how I got over it. You know, oh, they're human. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like, let me go see him because he's human. You know, um, you know these people again. Uh, well, going back to the Instagram people, the models, the the chiseled ones. You know, they if if that's their job, you know, they're doing all these tricks and also. There's ways to look a little bit better for, for, you know, a photo shoot. They get ready for these photo shoots, so <laughs> they're feasting. Yeah. By the way, my dogs are in the room and they're eating snacks so that I can get them to shut the hell up. <laughs> but, like, if you hear crunching or smacking, it's not us. We're not eating. It's the dogs around us. Yeah, but so I, happy, I think it's interesting to see how even in like your own industry there's a stigma oh yeah every right? industry well, every industry has yeah. a stigma we were talking about it with counseling too like um therapists you expect them to have their crap together right like <laughs> you don't you shouldn't have anxiety or bipolar disorder or depression or anorexia or any kind of thing like you right. should be totally mentally healthy uh you know what, um, we hear about stuff all day and like, <laughs> it's probably likely that maybe we have a history of something as yeah. therapists and it's otherwise, okay to get it treated. Otherwise you wouldn't care so much. Right. And we wouldn't be able to relate so much or mm. whatever. What scares me though is people in my industry that are therapists that are like, oh, I don't have any problems and I do have it all together and I've never gone to therapy and I'm like, Right, yeah. Uh, come the other way immediately from that person because yeah. it's like, how? No. Yeah. Like, you have to have, okay, so what we really pride ourselves on, especially really good therapists, and I would like to say I'm a good therapist, at least yeah. I think I am, but um, is the sense of, like, self-awareness, right? Like, so you really have to be super aware of yourself at all times. Everything that you do say, Oh my blink your posture everything in front of a client matters and so if you're it like no, i don't got no problems like right. whatever i'm like mm, then you probably don't have a lot of insight or a lot of self-awareness which doesn't really make for the best therapist so yeah. i think it's actually better to 
be okay with the fact that maybe you have to go to treatment, you have to go to your own therapist, you have to go to your own psychiatrist, whatever it is that you have to do to be healthy versus having somebody who's totally oblivious to their problems right. and, like, not self-aware at all and, like, maybe not the best person to relate to. Yeah, just yeah. like, um, you know, in my field, if you're going to do, if you're going to coach someone into a bodybuilding competition, for example, I hope you have been in one because there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that only a bodybuilder going through something like that could understand, you know, getting on stage, holding the poses, you know, some bodybuilders dehydrate before a show, so they deplete, you know, they water deplete or carb loading and, you know, and if you've never been through that, how are you going to coach someone and tell them, oh, just, you're all right, you know, you're good, so... Yeah, I, I understand. You like, know, you have it's... to have some level of insight or some level of either struggle, right? Or going there yourself and, like, being yeah. open about it, I think, is really important. Um, depending on how you do it, right? Like, a therapist, we wouldn't recommend, like, totally telling your clients everything right. about your life. Because yeah. then you turn it into a therapy session for, for yourself. yourself. Yep. Which I've heard clients talk about, you know, like, saying that they've gone to therapists in the city and, like, have... You know, like, oh, well, no she way. just started telling me about her problems and like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Are you serious? well, then, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and just like in every profession, there's, you know, people you should go to or you should not go to. Yeah. Right? So, um, but that's everywhere with everybody. Um, oh I ain't going to out them here. Yeah, no. But... <laughs> And this, that wouldn't be very nice. This, this podcast isn't that salty. No, no, no. It's not mm, salt on the elephant. <laughs> I know. I was gonna... Yummy. We're saving the salt for the elephants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, one last thing I think you should tell people is where you're located, like what you're doing, like how they can get into touch with you if they didn't hear it in the last episode. Okay. Um, things like that. Okay, so again, if you didn't hear the last episode, my name's Amber Banda, and I am a nutrition coach, a health coach, a personal trainer. I do um, group classes. I do um, public speaking. Um, I also have done like you know group classes for for other groups, large groups. Uh, you can reach me on my email, amber dot nine one five at hotmail dot com. Uh, my phone number is 915-588-3116. And on Facebook, I'm at Amber's Health Coaching. Or for my baby wearing workout, it's uh, Facebook BYOB Baby Wearing Workout in El Paso. Awesome. And so you can um, find also all her links on the podcast page. I'm going to post them. Um, and also if you... You'd also do, like, warm-ups for, like, marathons and, like, yeah. events like that. Yeah, uh-huh. I've warmed um, up some, some some 5Ks, some groups. Going to health fairs. That's mm -hmm. some other stuff that you do. Yep. Um, I, I'm assuming also for, like, the child abuse yes. stuff, right? Like, advocacy yeah. and all of that stuff. So, Amber's very involved in a lot of different things. She's very talented and has a lot of specialties. So, if you need to get into touch with her, um, that's where you can find her. And, um... I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to say or talk um, about? Well, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you for letting oh, me welcome. be a voice on here. Like you said last time, if this just helps one person, whether it be they're dealing with child abuse or some sort of trauma or eating disorder, you know, that that's that's what counts. I'm, I'm here not to talk about, you know, build build myself up or anything like that. I just, there's people out there that do genuinely care and you're not alone. And, you know, you're not broken. Nothing's wrong with you. 
you just haven't figured out what works best for you and keep keep figuring it out you know you just keep keep doing it it'll you'll you'll find something something will click yeah it's a lifelong journey i yep. think um yeah that's that's important to remember thank you so much for coming on to thank the podcast you. thank you and we hope to have you back because we have a lot of elephants we, i was gonna say we have a lot of elephants to eat maybe the yeah. dogs can help us they're yeah, pretty good at feasting pretty good oh my god so good. <laughs> we're just like chewing and licking and i'm like oh god i hope you guys can't hear that but oh well can't edit it out sorry anyway thank you so they're very much. cute though oh yeah they're they're well behaved little brats okay anyway <laughs> thank you so much to amber banda for coming on to through the eyes of a therapist i'm crystal martinez acosta and i'll talk to you later